Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift of this community, and we ask your blessing upon us as we um, go into our study of Hebrews chapter 13. We pray that we would learn something new today about ourselves and about you and about what it means to follow you as your disciple, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Evie, Hebrews 13. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, for it is well for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by regulations about food, which have not benefited those who observe them. We have an altar from which those who officiate in the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate in order to sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls and will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with sighing, for that would be harmful to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you all the more to do this so that I may be restored to you very soon. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, Make you complete in everything good, so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been set free. And if he comes in time, he will be with me when I see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you.
All right. Um, well, before we kind of look at Hebrews 13, I just want to draw your attention to verses 22 through 25, which very much feels like the end of a Pauline epistle, uh, an epistle written by Paul. And uh, we have said that this is probably a, a sermon that was meant to circulate in the early church um, and not necessarily a letter written to one community. Uh, and so a lot of scholars think that these final three verses were kind of tacked on later uh, to make this look a little bit more like something Paul wrote uh, and thus give it a little bit more authority. And so um, chances are the original work of Hebrews ended with the Amen, uh, verse 21. Uh, so we can talk more about that, but I wanted to note that. So Hebrews 13 uh, is really meant to sum up and to collect and capture everything that has been said thus far. And just to kind of recap some of that, um, whoever is the audience of Hebrews, uh, they are a community that is experiencing some difficulty. They are newly baptized, uh, have been catechized, but are being asked to go deeper. Uh, they're being asked to suffer because uh, their existence is suffering in a world uh, of Roman religion uh, and where the synagogue of Judaism has a little bit more credibility with that word, that that, that world and this small band uh, uh, of Christians that uh, to all outside eyes feels like a new movement, kind of an innovation in religion. And, and thus people are skeptical uh, of, of these people and what they're doing and, and why they're being baptized and what they stand for and what gospel they're preaching. And so um, many in this community are being a little discouraged. They need encouragement. And the author of Hebrews writes this to offer such encouragement uh, and to help them uh, have the resources they need to persevere. And um, part of the strategy is making clear who Jesus is. And so We've already covered how Jesus is superior to angels, superior to the old covenant, how his priesthood is superior to that of the priesthood that we find in the book of Leviticus. And, and all of this is meant to um, um, lay bare a world where we get to call Jesus our brother, uh, or he calls us his brother and sister, where we are invited into the Holy of Holies uh, to the throne of grace with him, whereby we have access to God, the forgiveness of sins, and this whole new world is meant to open up in our imagination and in our life about how we relate to God. The, the whole point of Hebrews is to open that world for us. And, and so today we're just looking at what are the ethical outworkings of that world. If we boldly approach the throne of grace, if we believe that our sins are forgiven, if we share in that reality together in community, what does that look like? And we're told in verse one, it looks like mutual love continuing amongst us, that this really is about a life of love and a life of hospitality. And notice verse two, that the hospitality we are to share is not just with each other, but even with strangers. And remember, this is a world where strangers uh, often are scary and where um, it is strangers who might be persecuting the church. And yet we are to show hospitality to strangers um, and to know that by doing so, we are tapping into 
the holiness that was spoken of in chapter 12. Um, we're called to a whole new life of empathy and care. Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them. There's something about how we live our life that we are not to distance ourselves from those who are suffering, those who are needy, uh, but we are to uh, somehow be identified with them. Um, we're told to keep our lives free from the love of money, to be content with what we have. Uh, this mirrors um, what Paul writes in 1 Timothy when he says that uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, I like to remind people that it is not money that is the root of all evil, according to scripture, but the love of money that is the root of all evil. Jesus said something similar when he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. And uh, often uh, those who love money the most in our world uh, are precisely those who don't have any. And so I'm not saying that, um, um, uh, I, I'm not suggesting anything other than to say that the, the biblical worldview here, it's about what do we love? Let mutual love continue in verse one. The assumption is that we love God, that we love uh, each other, and that then it that then informs uh, what we do with our resources, and then of course uh, the biblical promise: "I will never leave you or forsake you." So, in a sense, we can see Hebrews as a call to stay with it. Right? Let us run with perseverance the race set before us, as a call to not leave or forsake the community, to not leave or forsake the calling of God, but. The only reason we are told to do that is because we're first promised that God will never leave or forsake us. And so before Hebrews uh, is any kind of moral imperative or exhortation, it is first and foremost um, a word of good news that God will never leave us, that God will never forsake us. And in verse eight, we're told that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever that this love, this failure to forsake, uh, that it's guaranteed, um, that it's not uh, something that's shaky, but that it is the same always. Um, God's love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, verse nine, we are reminded not to be carried away by strange teachings, for it is well for the heart to be strengthened by grace. So a lot of you know that I like preaching about grace, talking about grace, um, but the biblical norm, right, um, at least in the book of Hebrews, is that anything that is not about grace is a strange teaching. I want you to take note of that, right? Don't be carried away by strange teachings. It's good enough for your heart to be strengthened by grace. And so in religion and Christianity, if we start making our faith primarily about something else and we're not talking about the grace of God, we have wandered away from the basics uh, and we are lost in a strange teaching. Uh, by the time we get to verse 12, we then are given this image of Jesus suffering outside the city gate. Um, and then we're asked to join him there. And uh, to go and to bear the same abuse that he endured. Um, again, 
I, I think that this is really hard for us in our setting to know how to tap into this teaching because you were not persecuted. You were not abused um, for the most part. I, at least I hope that's true. Uh, but this community was. And the author of Hebrews is not giving them a strategy on how to avoid that. But he's basically saying lean into that more. Um, that this is somehow uh, connecting you more deeply to your brother Jesus. In the same way that he suffered, you also can suffer with him because here you have no lasting city. You are looking for the city that is to come, verse 14. And whenever the Bible talks about looking forward to the city that is to come, uh, I see this as a, a reference to the new Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 21. Uh, this city that comes from heaven to earth where God uh, um, lives among us and wipes away every tear from every eye. And so whenever we talk about not having a lasting city here on this earth, I, I, I don't think that this is an excuse to live an escapist life or to not care about the creation or to look down on the good gifts God has given us to enjoy. Um, I think that we are to be fully in the world. And as we prepare for Christmas, uh, what we celebrate is that message that the word became flesh. And so God's presence has fully sanctified this creation. Um, and so whenever we talk about not having a lasting city here, we're not talking about the earth or our life being bad, but rather the values that often govern our world being radically incomplete and not congruent with how God created us to live. And so the, you know, whenever it talks about us having no lasting city, that's really a reference to all the values of the world, right? Uh, power, prestige, uh, having money, having comfort, winning, being right, all the things that our world says are worth pursuing. Um, Hebrew says, you have no lasting city there. Your lasting city is in this fellowship of mutual love we've been describing throughout this book. Uh, and so um, I want you to love your life and to love this world, but to not be attached to the values of the world. I think that's the basic gist of what the author is saying. Uh, and as we get to this, this final benediction, now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete and everything good. Uh, I'm not sure why they translate that word complete, but remember Hebrews has been talking a lot about perfection. The Greek word is telos, and it can mean complete or perfect. And in the book of Hebrews, it's the exact same. And so to be made complete is also to be made perfect. This is synonymous with finishing the race that we are to run with perseverance set before us, right? Run with perseverance the race set before you. What is at the end of that race? It is our completion. It is our perfection. Uh, it's also been called the sharing of God's holiness previously in this book. It is when the consuming fire that is God burns away all our iniquities. And so, again, the reminder here is that we are in process of becoming something beautiful, something complete, something perfect. And 
in a sense, what I think the author of Hebrews is saying is, you know, keep your eye on the prize. Um, Look to Jesus, the pioneer and completer of your faith, perfecter of your faith. Uh, I mean, if I really had to sum up what I think the book of Hebrews is about, keep your eye on the prize, right? We have no lasting city here. Um, It's okay to occasionally suffer and to bear the abuse that Jesus did. Be encouraged. Don't stop running. Uh, Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Look to Jesus, the, the great high priest. He's superior to angels, superior to the law. He's the, the main thing. I mean, I really think that's what the whole point of the book is. Keep your eye on the prize. Um, why? Well, what are we told about Jesus? For the sake of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus kept his eye on the prize. You were that prize. For the sake of the joy set before him, right? That was you. Jesus ran that race for you. And so the author is now flipping that and saying, you can keep running for him. Um, You can keep your eye on Jesus. You can keep taking one step and live your life with integrity and faith. If if you need the courage to suffer, there's this great cloud of witnesses who have suffered before you. Remember that chapter? Um, And so uh, I'm going to kind of cut off my, my teaching here, but... Uh, a, a question, you know, that we might consider together is what does it really mean for you in your life to keep your eye on the prize, you know, to run the the race of faith with integrity, with joy, with hope? Because I think ultimately that is what the invitation of the book is inviting us to do, just to kind of keep going, but to do so joyfully with purpose and trusting that God is making our life perfect and complete.